Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Nina Guild is an up-and-coming comedian in New York City. She's funny, smart, and has worked hard to build a career for herself in the male-dominated world of stand-up comedy. When it comes to romantic relationships, though, Nina's life is a mess. When we meet her, she has just picked up a random guy in a bar, brought him home, only to find Joe, a married policeman, waiting for her against her wishes. And... From there, the film evolves into a story about her and her career and moving to Los Angeles and and also coming to grips with her life and her relationship to many of the people that she loves and holds dearly. Uh, and this is the film called All About Nina, and we're fortunate to have with us today the director, producer, and writer, Eva Vivis. Eva, welcome to Film School. Hi. Hi how are you? I'm good. Thank you for having me. You're so welcome. Um, I do know from doing some research that a lot of the film material in the film is based on your own life's experiences. And um, were you ever interested in comedy? Was this something that you ever aspired to or is it just as a fan? How did you come to this vehicle of Nina Geld as a stand-up comedian? Interested, yes. I was always very interested in comedy. And even growing up as a teenager, it was some, you know, I, I was a, well, I still am, but I was a big reader. I didn't, I didn't grow up with a TV, so I didn't really get to movies until a little later, but I read everything. And that included a number of books that, um, that were of stand-up, actually, which I don't see as often anymore. So I kind of came to it as a reader first, and then when I moved to New York when I was 18... Um, there was a lot more of a comedy scene there, so I started going to mo- mostly the Boston Comedy Club, which is now closed, but um, but it was a big, you know, launching pad for a lot of comedians that we know now, and so I was always fascinated by it. I never felt like I needed to do it. I have horrible stage fright, so it didn't really <laughs> occur to me, but, uh, you know, I think one of the beauties of being a, a writer is that you can kind of do anything you want uh, in your head and on paper. So um, it just made sense to me when I when I started thinking about telling the Nina story that she would be a comedian because a I always wanted to see if I could you know write it well um, and I liked the juxtaposition of humor versus the darkness in her life and I also really liked the idea of seeing a woman command the stage and get her own opinions and thoughts out because yeah. it's still something that we don't see that often so it all kind of makes sense to me i'm just kind of curious did you are there a, is there a particular uh stand-up comedian or com- comedians because there's a there's a bit of richard pryor in this there's a bit of lenny <laughs> there's a bit of lenny bruce in this there's sort of that style of comedy was that something you're drawn to and sort of wrote that into the character or are you just a, a stand-up fan and, and it's just a sort of how it worked out no, I mean, definitely Pryor and, and Lenny Bruce were big influences on me always. Also, the, um, the Lenny Bruce movie, which I'm yeah. sure you saw some visual uh, references to that, <laughs> um, Bob Fosse in general. But, uh, but yeah, and Pryor, you know, I mean, I think he's a fantastic comedian anyway and, and fascinating person, but specifically because he spoke about his own abuse so much right. on stage and 
something that, you know, he just didn't hide it, which is kind of remarkable if you think about everything that's going on now, that he just did it on his own. And I feel like even more so for a black men who are, you know, who were traditionally men didn't own up to having been abused or anything like that. And he just put it all out there. And somehow, I mean, I never thought it was funny, haha, but, you know, I could see how he was processing, to, to your point earlier. And, I, you know, I don't think it quite seeped in. Well, maybe it seeped in and unconsciously for a long time while, while you know, I listened to him while I, while I was still in the throes of the abuse that I was suffering. So I don't think I could really come to him um, more objectively until later. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not like Mary and I had one person in particular. And, I, you know, I gave her a lot of freedom in terms of finding it her, her, you know, her own way of doing the comedy because I just think that's more freeing. And clearly she's such an accomplished actress that she can, you know, I wanted her to have the freedom to... If you want to pay for the stage, if you want to stand in one place, comedians find their own way of doing that over years. So it wasn't like I said, here, copy Sarah Silverman or whoever, you know? Yeah, yeah. And by the way, you're you're referring to uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, who plays Nina Geld in this film, and she's just a remarkable yeah. performance. And it's funny that you... It's funny. That may be the, <laughs> the word mm-hmm. uh, choice is a little odd there, but th- that she owns the stage in a way that really feels like she's done a lot of stand-up in her in her life she feels like a stand-up comedian which obviously may seem like i mean that's the threshold you had to meet and and she exceeds in terms of convincing us that she's absolutely belongs on that stage as well as all the other parts of the character that she has to play but she's remarkable as a stand-up did you go through some sort of comedy training did she do some uh some open mics. How did you get her to this point for this part of the performance? Because it really is pr- pretty remarkable. Thank you. Obviously, I agree. I think her performance is incredible in every way. And I, I have some pride in, I guess they say, what is it? Like I've heard it in different percentages, like 80% of directing is casting or 90% of directing is casting. <laughs> right, right. I'm very proud of myself that I had the right instinct and knowledge to to bring her to this part and i feel like in a way that's what directors can do is see the 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 possibilities i guess in someone i think she was very worried about obviously she's proven herself in space as a dramatic actress but she had never done this kind of comedy and i think she herself was worried so a lot of it was for me just to say no i know you can do this and here's how we're going to do it there wasn't some initial talk of of course all my comedian friends you know were I think a little bit insulted about the fact that I hadn't cast a comedian and then, you know, they just mm-hmm. kind of wanted to put her through the work, which makes a lot of sense for comedians because they just like to make people suffer in general right? <laughs> and laugh. <laughs> but, um, you know, they're like, you got to put her out there. She's got to bomb a million times and all this stuff. And I thought, uh, you know, the thing is, she just has to become a comedian for those parts. It's the luxury of having a movie is that we knew how many sets she was doing yeah. and we could just work those, you know? Yeah. So a lot of that is the writing. You know, it's like if the jokes work and if and if it's... For me, you know, obviously Nina is not the kind of comedian that's doing a lot of like set-up punchline kind of jokes. She's not Lenny Hill, right? She's yeah. more like, a, you know, like you're saying, like a storyteller kind right. of comedian. And so a lot of it was just about being truthful. Yeah. And it's still remarkable to me how unusual that is for, for women. So that, for example, something as like rowdy and dirty as like the period diarrhea stuff is really, if you think about it, not that funny in, in itself. It's just that she's being honest yeah. and it's so unusual. 
and we recognize the truth, so we laugh. Right. We on some level we have to like a comedian who is like like Nina Geld is in in this. We have to at least admire her her courage for doing these things. But on some level, you have to because she's telling us about things we know about. In some level, I mean, women obviously what you're the one particular thing you mentioned that's more of something that a woman would relate to than a man would. But it's her honesty, and I mean, there's a history. Let's go back. There's a history in in film. Dustin Hoffman wasn't a stand-up comedian, but he did Lenny, and yeah. he, he did a remarkable job, and he did a, a, so much of the the things that we're talking about: being honest and getting giving people to to look at themselves. There's a there's a saying in comedy: if you didn't laugh, you would cry at the things that were being talked yeah. about. And there has always been this pathos in in comedy. It's one of the things reason I'm so attracted to it. I'm a comedy nut myself. And that's why I was asking oh. about your influences and all that. And um, and I, I find it the, the history of comedy and the history of stand-ups goes to me, goes back to the court jester telling the king the truth and putting his life on the line and doing so. That was what – and that in some weird way is in the DNA of comedy and of stand-ups. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, we laugh because it's true. And I always also think of it's a little different, but of Nietzsche's – sentence about, you know, we, we have art so that we may not die from the truth. Right. Um, right. And I, 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 I always feel like comedy is also, even though he says art, which, you know, comedy can also be. Um, and you're absolutely right. Like, or what's that other great book by George Sheldes? I think it's called uh, Tell the Truth and Run. <laughs> you know, it's a little bit like that. I kept thinking about that in that monologue at the end that she does because she doesn't run. You know, I right. love how she just stands there after right. she's told her truth. Right. And she kind of takes it in, too. It's like, right. okay, you know, I think that's one thing that is hopefully changing now, that we don't have to run as much after telling the truth. Right. Although I guess it's yet to be determined, considering what's going on in this country right. <laughs> politically. Yes, yes. And and again, this is why your film could not be more timely in terms of what we get to in the film. And I don't want to give it away, but where she ends yeah. up and what she ends up talking about on stage uh, in sort of a uh, sort of a, an attempt to process information, her her life as well as come to grips with it, but as well as this impulse that comedians do have, which is to torpedo themselves on a regular basis, is to undermine themselves because it's part of this sort of this sort of truth telling is also comes with it the baggage of undermining your entire life in a stand-up yeah. routine and uh, by the way I, I mean people that have influenced me in terms of my th- my as I look at stand-up and I think had some sort of bearing on Nina Geld I would look at like Amy Madigan as a, as a woman who is also in that sort of vein she sort of has that vibe and Amy Madigan but also yeah. also Bill Hicks uh, an, a, a stand- I love Bill Hicks. I, I love He's him. another one I read all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Bill Hicks, yeah. Amy Madigan. You, you, so if you're people who are listening to this are looking for a reference, what, maybe my favorite all-time stand-up, I mean, prior, and sort of the, the legends, if you will, who've done this so sure. well, Chris Rock and, and, and Eddie Murphy and, and others. But Bill Hicks is so underrated and so underappreciated as a stand-up that it's – well, I'm glad to hear you. And- Go ahead. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting you mention him because I mean, one of the one of the things I love about him, and obviously he's so complex, but is he doesn't hide his anger at all, right? You know, right? Um, and it's interesting again that like so much of the impetus for me telling this film was her rage that she had been 
keeping in for so long. And, and in fact, one of the things that really propelled me to tell it was that mostly guys, I have to say, over my own life would say, oh, why are you so angry? Or like, you know, kind of what Amy says to her in the, in the movie that she says, life is beautiful, don't you know that? Like, I don't know why you have so much anger in you. And I always felt really trapped with that, that I felt like, as she says on stage, you know, that you couldn't just come out and say, oh, you want to know why I'm angry? Because this happened to me, you know, which, again, I also don't, it's a tough movie to talk about without giving anything right, away. Right, right. But, but let's just say that it is certainly related to the Me Too movement and, and so much of what we're seeing now in terms of women being able to stand up and say what happened to them in a way that, like, we're just not, haven't been used to lately, um, which is a shame because I think it does, you know, create a lot of, shame and sadness and loneliness and all of that stuff for a lot of the men and women, I should say, that have gone through something like that. Right. So um, I sort of lost my train of thought a little with it. But, uh, but yeah, that, that, oh, Bill Hicks and anger. Yeah, because yeah. he expresses so much of it. And at the same time, he can also be such a sweet and loving dude, even though he doesn't, you know, in, in the stuff that he says, he's actually quite a humanist, right? As a, yes. As a comedian. Yes. Um, anyway, it was an interesting line to walk with Nina because... People don't want to see women be that angry. Like, if she had gone up and said some of the things that Bill Hicks says, I think, like, just every nobody would have gone to see this movie, you know? So it was an interesting line to walk with her. Yeah, yeah. I want to remind our listeners we're speaking with the director, producer, and writer of the new film all about Nina, and that is Eva Vivas. And she has uh, joined us to talk about the film that is, in my opinion, one of the best films I've seen all year and also one of the best performances uh, of the year uh, by Mary Elizabeth Winstead. And she is terrific in this film. I want to get to sort of the nuts and bolts of how I was watching when I was watching the film. It became obvious to me how the 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 story is about is about pain, confrontation and processing and the fact that there are so many wonderful women characters in this film and how they create a this safe place for Nina and how I love Lake I love Lake in the film and and <laughs> yeah. and also her relationship to Common and how that starts to break down some of the <laughs> things that she's been dealing with but but I, I just love that whole vibe, and, and initially it feels like we're going to see LA Story kind of vibe to the to the storyline of the of the film, but it really morphs into something much more, um, much more wonderful, <laughs> much more for loving and and tender. Uh, I don't know. I just really enjoyed so much that part of the film and how it. Like oh, I said, yeah. Do you, you know what I'm saying about LA Story? It turned into you know them ordering chai tea, uh, chai. Or coffee at the yeah. at the restaurant, but it doesn't. It it turns into what is the 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 underside of all of this, which is truly a, a caring community of people uh, who who embrace each other. Just tell me how much I should love Lake because I I, I really fell in love with her. <laughs> no, I'm I'm glad. Yeah, yeah, no, I love her too. And again, she's you know so many of the characters in this movie do start off as stereotypes, and I think that you know works better for some people than others because some people just take one look and go, oh, and obviously she's a very clear one, but I, what I try to do with all of them is to then turn them around and say, you know, even if you think somebody is like this, you know, look at what's behind them, and obviously that starts with Nina, who's like a tremendous fall buster and is very tough and sort of in everybody's face, 
And, you know, of course, there is a part of her that is like that, but then there's also something else going on, and she's caring and loves just like anybody else does, you know? Um, with Common's character, Rafe, I also felt like in the beginning, I know at least most women would be like, okay, this guy's going to be trouble, you know? Like, right. He's a player. He's so suave. He comes up. He knows just what to say. It's like, run the other way. <laughs> and then it turns out that that's not the case at all, that he actually is quite a great and honest, guy who's working on himself and who's been through a lot of stuff and, and you know, who meets her halfway, to say the least. Yeah. Um, and so, like, Lake, in a way, I think is a little harder because, um, or easier, depending on how you see it, because it is a California stereotype that we've seen a lot. But, you know, again, so much of it is based on my experience. And when I moved here 10 years ago, and I did definitely have, like, the New York chip on my shoulder and was like, all right, you know, and I, I, I was very shocked at how much of this stuff people did, like yeah. the colonics and the, you know, yeah. the, the, the truth circles and the... The wheatgrass and the... And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and it's hard not to laugh at it at first, or at least for me it was because I was not used to it. I mean, I had heard a couple of things here and there in, in New York, but, um, so you know, you know, but then I, I don't know, I try to stay open. I think one thing about going through what I've been through is that I always had to sort of recheck myself about everything. And in a way, once I got through the really hard part, it actually made me very open to a lot of different things. That I was like, whatever, you know, whatever floats anybody's boat, as long as you're not hurting someone. Yeah. And, um, and I actually found that really comforting about California. I myself do not partake in a lot of that stuff, <laughs> although, you know, I've definitely tried yeah. things here and there. I'm always up for something. But I always felt like, whatever, you know, for me it was therapy, so who am I to say if the truth circle works for you or if, you know, or, you know, drinking these, these concoctions yeah. make you feel like you're not going to die, then so be it, you know? Right. And this is how I grew up in Los Angeles, so I, I have this sort of perspective of having sort of uh, marinated in this, in, this, in this way of people, you know, dealing mm-hmm. with their issues and lives and all that. Why not? I mean, this is how, I mean, I sort of feel like, it it may not be it may be crazy this may be just completely whack science or whatever they're pur- you know purporting to be but at the same time i don't know how am i how am i to yeah. prejudge all of these things that i don't know anything about basically but it may it, maybe it's placebo but maybe it actually works and th- i always look at that sort of as the 60s you know I, the 60s were mm-hmm. were kind of a dumpster fire in a lot of ways but at the same time at least people <laughs> tried at least people made an effort to figure out some other way forward. And while a lot of it Absolutely. has been, yeah, but no, a lot of it has actually been proven to be accurate, actually functionally accurate and true. So why not? Sure. I think for, for people who are so against it from the beginning, it ends up always being fear, isn't right. it? I mean, and that's what like religion and tradition has done for humanity for so long is to just tell you, here's some sense of order you get up in the morning you go to church right. you pray you do your job this is what happens if you sleep with your neighbor's wife this is what happens if you don't you know <laughs> what i mean it's very clear yeah um and of course anytime you deviate from that then you have to answer you know ask yourself questions about what does it mean if i slept with my neighbor's wife you know right. what what kind of person does that make me is it wrong is it not did she want it did i want it you know all of that yeah. stuff which yeah. i think you're talking about in the 60s yeah. Finally, we opened up to more. So, yeah, I sort of feel like with, you know, any spirituality, um, I think people are trying and trying to find their own answers. Exactly. And I, I think that's an admirable 
thing. And to your point, as long as nobody's trying to make you do them, right. what do you care? You know, what right. do I care if people meet under the full moon to talk about cats and Topanga? Great. The, the cat, you know, like, I, they're not making me do it. So. <laughs> the cat sanctuary thing was funny, and the way it kind of played out at the end of the film was just, it's very endearing. It's a very fun there's a lot of... He- I know. It really was. It was like an... Uh, People it- keep telling me, they're like, where is it? I want to go. <laughs> it's not there. But I, I, it seems like something that should be in Topanga, right? Yeah, it should be. <laughs> if it's not, you, you can open up one and probably uh, get a yeah, lot of... Maybe that's what people. I'll do. There you go. Well, I, I just want to... keep my blood pressure lower <laughs> than filmmaking, that's for sure. Uh, well, uh, you also, real quick, this will be the last thing. Uh, yeah. The, you know, you got Todd... Uh, is, I always pronounce, mispronounce this. Luiso? Luiso. Luiso. I had him on for Hello, I Must Be Going, and I just thought his work. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love his work. And it was good to see him and play into that sort of, the, the fun part of the film is, is is things like that that he was a part of in it. And it's a, it's a, there's a lot of things in the film that are endearing and funny, and and her stand-up is really good. And so if you're a fan of comedian or comedy, I should say, and stand-up, uh, Mary Elizabeth just nails it. And there's and then at the same time, there's so much going on in the film. Uh, I saw it a second time, and I saw a lot more of uh, the way that the character develops and what happens and sort of the, the, the triggering of the things, that the reactions and things in the film. It, it's, a, it's a special mm-hmm. film. Uh, Eva and I uh, so much in People yeah. call me Nina all the time. No, I, <laughs> I did. I You're started to call you one, Nina. Yeah. yeah, so and I was up at uh, Sundance Lab, and Robert Redford was one of my uh, advisors, and he he was like, "Where's Nina?" And everybody was like, <laughs> "What are you talking about?" They kept calling me Nina the whole time. Oh, that's so funny. So, well, good company. Well, congratulations. Yeah. I I uh, don't want to put any pressure on you, but are you working on something um, after this? Are you got something in the works? Is yeah. I I mean, I've been writing uh, two scripts. One I actually finally just finished yesterday, so hopefully you'll be hearing about it soon. And the other one still needs a little bit. They're very different. One is a revenge film, which I think kind of makes sense after this one. <laughs> And um, <laughs> and the other one is more like a kind of like an all about Eve world where okay. you know a lot of again women relationships and, and power dynamics. Um, but I did want to say one thing because you brought up Todd Luiso and so many of the other you know quote unquote day players. And I, I have to say you know I love actors and I, I love working with them. And I just want to say like a obviously Mary and and Common should be getting all the respect that they're getting. But I also like often those actors who just come in for a day or half a day don't get enough respect for what they do because it's really hard too like you come into you know like Todd was with us for maybe a day he came in he had no idea how we were working or anything and he gave us their all I think you know we ended up having to cut a bunch of his stuff that was hilarious and that I'm sad to see go and same with Pam Murphy for example who plays the manager at the club who had also auditioned for comedy prime right a, also a comedian and an right. improv actor and the four actors you know and the least yeah, the four stand-ups as what? well and the four stand-ups as well were great the stand-ups you know um angelique Carval, who plays a pregnant agent yes. who is you know two weeks away from giving birth and cameron Mannheim, who plays a mom that's a really tough role you know yeah oh um, yeah. and yeah 
No, you're right. And I was going to mention Cameron. Thank you for because uh, yeah, we haven't seen her. I haven't seen her forever. She was on L.A. Law. People will remember her from that. But it's been a long time since I've seen her in in anything. So she and she's she was so great and she's so funny. And you know, I didn't know when I cast them that her and Mindy Sterling, who plays the yeah. the nosy neighbor Amy, yeah. actually know each other in real life and are really good friends. So I walked into set and it was our first day of shooting with all of that mom Mindy stuff uh, in New York. And they were having so much fun and laughing it up and <laughs> all this stuff. And, and, you know, again, we shot so much more with them than we couldn't use. But I, but I thought, man, you know, like, I want to make a movie with these two ladies. Like, there are so many actors that I don't think are getting their, get their due. Like, you don't get to see Mindy or Cameron, like, star in a movie ever. You You're know? right. I think it's a, and thank you. Yeah, and thank you yeah. for bringing it up because you're right. I, I really, you're. This is a really solid cast all the way through. We uh, Jay uh, Jay Moore's in it briefly. Yeah. There's a number of people that are in it just for you know the blink of an eye who are really really good. They create that milieu of the the comedy club. They help you give you a sense of it also in her life and all the. Yes, absolutely. I thank you for bringing I that. I got up. lucky. Yeah, some actors I knew, and other a lot of that credit also goes to Rich. Delia, who was our casting director and who brought in a lot of those, you know, uh, like um, Jordan, who plays, you know, the guy she makes up with in the closet. Right, right. Like, you know, that guy was an inherent vice. I didn't remember him from that, but he came in for an audition and it was great. And, you know, so Rich really also helped me out. I think he loves actors as much as I do. So we just saw eye to eye on a lot of things and he kind of got what I was looking for, you know. Oh, that's great. That's great. Thank you for bringing that yeah. up. And, well, you've been... Yeah, you, Eva, you've been exceedingly generous with your time. I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate so well, much. I'm really the, enjoying it. Oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much. Again, the film is all about Nina, and this is the director, producer, writer, Eva Vivas. <laughs> Eva Vivas, thank you so much for being a part of Film School thank today, and uh, please come back. Please, I beg you to come back when your great next great film comes out, all right? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.